Hey everybody, welcome to the Spliff Podcast. I'm Bo Nellis, your host, and this is episode 59. We're going to talk about how to build your tolerance and and really commit to cannabis in the process because it's not going to be the easiest journey for everyone and it can be a little discouraging. It can also be really frustrating for people who are dealing with something that they have no experience with. The unknown is can be paralyzing within itself, right? But when you add on generations of misinformation and the persecution of law enforcement to go on top of it as well, things get really anxiety-inducing for a lot of people. So we're going to hopefully go over some of the things that can calm a lot of those fears and anxieties So this is kind of more for some new people, but it can also be for people who have experience with cannabis and just have really low tolerances and because of either issues with disease or curiosity uh, for recreation's sake or because they want to really reap the health benefits of cannabis on a level that they see other people doing but which they themselves haven't been able to, if they want to learn how to build up tolerance, this would be a good episode for them or you as well. Never knew who I'm talking to out here, you know what I mean? But first, I like to open things up with a section I call Stoner Moments. And last episode, I I mean, if you got one of the first publishings, I didn't even put the music on there, and I apologize about that. Um... And I just want to say it wasn't because I was stoned, because remember, I'm stoned like every episode, but it was because uh, I had company over and being slightly distraught and distracted, I didn't go over all the details before I got it out. I was running late anyway. So um, I don't remember everything I said, but I think one thing stood out to me. And I think at some point I was like, pot doesn't induce paranoia, it just magnifies it. And that's mostly true, but certain strains, and I think I did clarify that, um, but I just wanted to reiterate, certain strains can induce anxiety and paranoia, um, but we are going to go over how to make sure that doesn't happen, so don't worry, we're going to deal with that right now. And my all-time favorite strain, Joker, Uh, actually made me very paranoid the first time that I used it. However, uh, when I built up a tolerance to it and was able to incorporate it into my medicinal routine, I actually discovered that it was a miracle drug and would lift me out of my depression into a problem-solving mood that nothing else on this planet has ever been able to do. And, uh, and that's not true. I think vitamin D did it. Uh, that's yeah. Vitamin D did lift me out of my depression. It was slightly different, but pretty close. Uh, but still an experience that I could tap into at any moment in and of itself. And, um, you know, the, the moral of the story being that something that is actually feels overwhelming to you can turn out to be a really great medicine if you just give your body the time to adjust to it and really commit to cannabis. I also wanted to say way to go legalize cannabis. Woohoo! Whether we're talking recreational or medical marijuana, I didn't really address it last week, but obviously unless you're living under a rock or 
out in the middle of the forest because you've got a cannabis grow you're trying to protect, you probably already know that basically everybody but Arizona legalized this election cycle. Woohoo! Now, I know that I lost on Prop 64 because I was actually against it, but I knew that I was going to lose. And this has really been more about educating people, one, so they can make their own choice, and two, about the things that I feel are the most detrimental part, which is the miseducation of our children and the prejudicing of affected communities and lower class communities against cannabis, which would discourage them from entering this lucrative market. Um, And I don't know that these are things that are going to get fixed anytime soon, but the more aware we are that this could happen, the more likely we are to stay vigilant that it doesn't and be able to provide the resources to counterbalance it. I hope. It's so much money. Oh my God. Okay. It's okay. Uh, One more thing. I I talked about some silver linings that we could look at in a Trump administration, which is just looking worse and worse as the days go by. Um, But I did want to say too, That one more option we do have, because this democracy system that we've built is incredible, so incredible, there are still options that have never been tapped into. And one of those is an Article 5 convention. We would need 34 states to get behind this. And I do believe that that many states already have medical marijuana legalized. So if we can bolster enough passion and conviction to carry it forward... That would be fucking epic. Like seriously, history making. There's some drawbacks to it too, but legalization of cannabis is going to have drawbacks no matter what. And that is like a last, that's like plan Z probably next. Well, okay. Maybe that's like plan W and then you've got like anarchy and annihilation and things like that afterwards, but it's an option. All right, so that wraps up a stoner moment. Uh, I am doing another late night edition of the Spliff Podcast. So I'm going to be smoking on some indica tonight. And I don't want to get too stoned before I go into this. I was taking some dabs uh, just before I started. I had a little bit of Chernobyl. It's a great hybrid. Nice limey taste to it. And it has some good cerebral focus and some nice body-numbing properties to go with it without being too affected. Um, I, I, I usually feel more like I've had a couple cups of coffee after I dab some Chernobyl, at least this batch of Chernobyl. But do feel free to smoke along with me at any point in time, and then I'll definitely be packing a bowl for our safety meeting at the end. Uh, so let's begin. Committing to cannabis, I want to start there, and I do want to say that the most important thing that I have to offer you is going to be last, so you're going to have to listen to everything else, or just fast forward through it, and if you want to cheat or whatever, that's fine, okay. So we're going to go into committing to cannabis, because if your mindset isn't committed, you're not going to be able to build your tolerance, because there might be times when you are pushed to a level that is uncomfortable as you experiment, and you have to be open-minded enough to experience those things sometimes. Though I'm going to give you the best advice to make sure that that does not happen 
you have to be willing to make the commitment. You have to be willing to make that sacrifice just in case. Mindset matters so much. And in part, that's because we all respond to cannabis differently. Everybody has what's called an endocannabinoid system. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But despite the fact that so many people respond to cannabis so differently and that its properties are so various, its safety is still unparalleled. It's unheard of. More people experience poisoning from vitamins, from vitamin C. They have vitamin C-related health problems, way more reported problems than with cannabis. With all of the research that they've done, if they could have found adverse side effects by now, truly definitively adverse side effects, they would have. This is, if not the most studied drug in the world and the most studied property in the world within the top three. Now, one of the ways to help get your mindset straight if the anxiety gets to you and you know, you have all these scenarios running through your head, uh, the the threat of law enforcement, if you, especially if you aren't in a legalized state, that can be really terrifying. And I definitely recommend that you listen to some of my other episodes about how to deal with the anxiety and the paranoia of being high, including what it feels like to be high, and then weed and anxiety. But becoming educated about the racist history of this prohibition program can really help open your mind. And then becoming informed about the science behind cannabis can really help you commit to trying to find an answer. Don't give up just because the first thing didn't work. You know, did you do that with conventional medicine, with the pharmaceuticals? Because the variety that... Western medicine can provide you as far as most management medicines go, cannabis has a natural option for you. It really, really does. I believe that wholeheartedly in my experience because my experience tells me that. So another great thing to help you get the resolve to do this is to know your options. You do not have to get high at all to use cannabis. You do not have to smoke weed in order to get some therapeutic benefits out of cannabis. There is a way to work cannabis into everyone's life, and that is thanks to the endocannabinoid system. Now, the endocannabinoid system is a physiological regulator that we've just discovered. And by just, I mean like within the last 20 some years. And so what we understand of it is relatively little in comparison to how much it actually does within our body. It is responsible for the regulation of almost everything that we do to the point that some scientists are speculating that a lot of disease is actually related to an endocannabinoid deficiency. And if you don't understand what an endocannabinoid is, it's a cannabinoid that resembles the cannabinoids in the cannabis plant like THC and CBD, but it's one that our own body makes. And I talk more about it in a separate podcast just for the endocannabinoid system. So do check that out. But what it means is that there's a biochemical individuality for each person. 
And so a good option is to think of cannabis more as an alternative food source with a little bit of a kick, and we'll start slowly. But it could it is the key to overall health, world health. It really is. And that's not just me being a stoner and saying it. I'm going to give you some good references to go and back that up, all right? So let's see. We know that you don't have to smoke it. We know that there are options to not get you high. Uh, So you can use it as lotions. What are those options, right? You can use it as a lotion. You can use the acidic forms. You can use the acidic forms as a lotion. Whoa, blew my mind. Uh, But there are other parts of the cannabis plant that create a psychoactivity. THC isn't the only part of the cannabis plant that can get you high. And despite what is commonly touted as truth, CBD is not non-psychoactive. It does cross the blood-brain barrier, just like THC does. That is one of the criteria of being psychoactive. It's also the key to its success. One of the reasons why THC and CBD are so effective as a medicine for those with neurological disorders is that you need medicine that can actually get to the brain. Now, a lot of traditional Western medicines don't cross that blood-brain barrier, and therefore they aren't as effective. They're there to kind of bolster the body and, and try and work a backdoor way to get the brain to heal itself and and to work, basically. And that's why they don't work, because they can't do the thing. They can't get to the place where they need to. The bioavailability just isn't there in the way it really needs to be. Now, CBD, being able to cross that blood-brain barrier, actually allows it to fix and heal parts of the brain that no other medicines can. The same with THC, and they just work in different ways. But there are other cannabinoids within the plant called terpenes, and that's the fragrance part. Some people are really sensitive to these terpenes. So one of the things, if you're starting super, super slowly, that you want to do is you want to determine how sensitive you are to the different terpenes. Now, this is most easily done in a legalized state where you can get definite tested sativa, definite tested indica, especially in a concentrate form. But if you aren't in a legal state, I can only encourage you to become more familiar with the rest of my catalog to be able to understand what kind of material you do have access to and how to utilize that in the best way possible. One kind of hint, if you are someone who is really sensitive to essential oils, you are probably someone who is also sensitive to cannabis. Cannabis is essential oils. The terpenes are some of the most diverse and potent on the planet. So if you are in a legal state like California, and if especially you are a regular listener, you know about Soothing Sue's and that Soothing Sue's is the acidic form of THC. However, something like Soothing Sue's might be too mild in its terpenes to really notice a difference. It's also mixed, so getting that definite indica versus sativa polar opposites to really know which one works best for you and which one you might be more sensitive to uh, is definitely going to be harder. So you want something as concentrated in terpenes as possible. 
And if you can't get a super concentrated form, you at least want to try to make sure that you make one option with a, a good indica and one with a good sativa. And if you aren't willing to smoke them in order to do so, you need to find someone who is willing to smoke them and has the expertise to tell you. I don't know how to help you find that other than, I mean, I'll smoke your shit and let you know. That would be like the best job ever, pot tester. Oh my God, extraordinaire. Okay, uh, moving on. The best way that I can say is to get, if you're in a legal state especially, a concentrate that is a definite indica and a definite sativa. Make a tincture from that, coconut oil, alcohol, grapeseed oil, whatever is best for your dietary needs. And if you notice a significant difference between one and the other, a sativa tends to be more stimulating, whereas an indica tends to be more relaxing, you may notice which one feels better to you. If you are medicating for things like depression, sativas could be a better option for you. If you are medicating for anxiety and pain, indicas may be a better option for you. Though plenty of people get anxiety relief from sativas and plenty of people get depression relief once the indica kicks in and their pain also dissipates. So a side effect that could happen is that you could actually feel over-relaxed to the point of sleepiness. This is not the same as being stoned. This, uh, if you're having the acidic form and you're just working with terpenes, it, it's not the same sort of psychoactivity that you're getting with the THC molecule, not on any kind of level, all right? And it could activate your endocannabinoid system, which triggers your body's healing responses, which in turn makes you sleepy. So it's important to know that that is not the same as being stoned, but that relaxation could be a side effect even from the acidic forms, especially if they are heavy in terpenes. Slight anxiety would be the opposite uh, that you might feel. Uh, as a contraindication for you. Now, if you have something like depression and a sativa is good for you, and this is about building up the tolerance. And so one thing that you could do is actually step your dose down again, have it and see if you have less anxiety that way, or see if you can live with the anxiety for a little while. And if it evens off after about two weeks, I would definitely say two weeks is long enough to live with the anxiety of anything like that. So don't want to go on too long. You definitely don't want it to aggravate too much. And then if relaxation is a side effect, maybe making sure that you use it during your sleep routine in order to help you get the best sleep would be awesome. Most people, if they're just working with terpenes and the acidic forms of cannabis don't have any lingering after effects that I am familiar with. That's more of when you start integrating THC in higher doses in. And it's usually relieved with a cup of coffee, uh, which isn't for everyone. Uh, maybe a little breath of fire instead it could also waken your spirits and detoxify your blood. There's a way to get through it is what I'm saying. But we do really want to minimize that, obviously. So 
the best thing to do is to microdose your neutral forms of the cannabinoids, that's your THC and your CBD, not the acidic forms, which can't cross the blood-brain barrier, the neutral forms, which are also known as the activated forms, because those are the ones that actually bring on some psychoactivity and a whole other range of therapeutic effects. The acidic forms have great anti-inflammatory effects. I already talked about that. Um, Now, one of the best ways to microdose that most people are interested in is juicing. And juicing is really great for acidic forms, but not the activated cannabinoids. And the problem with juicing is that it's really hard to supplement. You have to have quite a vast garden that you can go to with leaves big enough to juice on a regular basis. And most people don't have access to those kinds of gardens. So it makes it hard to be a health choice right now. Access makes a lot of difference obviously, on what your options are. Other factors that can go into how to microdose your cannabis uh, once you get to just the flower, say if you aren't in a legal state and you want to slowly build your tolerance with just some flower that you have, uh, things other than your personal tolerance that would influence your experience would be the age of the cannabis, its exposure to light and oxygen, and your fat and alcohol intake during the the cannabis experience or with the cannabis. Next thing we want to remember is that we're going to start slowly. And if you really want to build up tolerance, if you are eating cannabis Doing it every other day to begin with can be a really important way to slowly dose your way into a therapeutic level and build up those endocannabinoids in which you might be deficient. And if you are smoking it, smoking it every day to every other day, depending on your personal preferences, is also, I mean, just nobody's rushing you into this but make sure that it's regular enough to be effective. And cannabis can last up to 30 days in your system, but since everybody's metabolism is different, how long cannabis actually stays in your system is going to vary. And one of the ways that you can tell that is to get the at-home testing kits and test your own urine for the metabolites throughout the process, and you'll gain a better understanding of how long cannabis will actually be in your system. If cannabis gets stored in your fat when you are exercising or maybe doing some house chores, anytime you get your heart rate up and start tapping into that stored fat, you could be also tapping into cannabinoids, which are released back into your system and give you another burst of euphoria. So seeing how long that lasts is also an important step to making sure that you don't over-medicate in this process and have that undesired overwhelming effect. Now, one way to kind of solely introduce cannabis into your diet if you're going to eat it, especially if you just have access to the flour and don't want to go through making edibles, which can be very hard to dose, very potent with the can of butter and things like that, 
is to just grind up the flour. And if you are looking for a full THC activation, even if you want to start slowly, you want to decarboxylate your material. And I do have a podcast on that. So I'm going to skip over it a little bit, but that's how you go from your acidic form to your activated form. Now you can do this with hash or keef too, but those are concentrates. So you want to start with even less than you would when I talk about the flour. For flour, I wouldn't recommend about one-tenth of a gram to start with. And that's really just totally out my ass because it's a small number. It's easy to remember. In order to do this, you are going to need a digital scale. It's the easiest way to make sure that you don't over-medicate yourself because eyeballing it can just vary too much from nug to nug. But let's say you start with a tenth of a gram and you grind up that weed. Well, we're going to grind up the weed first and then we're going to weigh it out to a tenth of a gram. Maybe you've decarboxylated it before. Maybe you don't want to decarboxylate it. Maybe it's some older weed and it's already naturally done that. Or you just want to start really, really slowly. The fresher the flower, the more of the acidic form it's going to have on it. And the older the flower, the more likely it is to have the activated form on it, though it'll probably still have a bit of both. And what we're going to do is we're going to take that ground up flour and we're going to add it to our cuisine. We're just going to throw it into whatever meals we have. If you cannot stand the taste of cannabis, I'd recommend getting yourself some gelatin or vegan capsules and just putting the flour like you would any other herb into those capsules, grinding it up. Uh, it doesn't have to be super fine. I personally don't have uh, an acid reflux experience depending on the material, uh, though I have had acid reflux experiences from cannabis that's ground super, super fine. Uh, I don't like a super fine grind if I'm going to be ingesting it, quite honestly. I like a looser grind, like an oregano. Uh, and then and then adding it to your cuisine. Making salad dressings is a great way to do it. Minding the fact that the more oil and alcohol you add into your diet, the more bioavailable you make these cannabinoids. Throwing it on your pasta or your pizza is also another great way. And then, I mean, people get really inventive mostly with cannabis concentrates or cannabis butter, things like that, in order to start at its most slow to build up that tolerance, really just starting with some fresh flour and throwing it into your cuisine as an herb or supplement is a great way to just get your system acclimated to cannabis. Now, this might still give you somewhat of that relaxed effect, especially because we're working with the activated cannabinoids. Even if you start with a very high CBD flower instead of a THC flower, you could get that relaxed effect out of it. And if you want something, if you have access to tested material and uh, legalization, all that great stuff, you can do this with concentrates. It's a little bit harder because you're working on such small levels, 
but a titrated CO2 oil would be a very safe option. You still want to look for whole plant as a preference for maximum therapeutic range, but each case is unique. Some people just need a really high level of THC and CO2s can 100% do that. So where you go from here is as you begin to integrate this into your diet or your daily routine, your vitamin supplement routine, however it works for you, you are going to wait until you feel affected. A microdose, you should kind of feel it kick in. You don't want it to be completely under the radar. Uh, that might That's not a therapeutic level necessarily. If you notice in a couple days that you are feeling better, maybe that is a therapeutic level for you. If you want no psychoactivity, but you still need to look at the activated cannabinoids, then maybe you are someone who is super sensitive, who could slip under that that magic space, could limbo your way through uh, between uh, high or effect, I shouldn't say high, but affected and not affected, but therapeutic and find that incredible golden space right there. But that's unlikely. And chances are you're going to come to a place where you kind of feel it kick in. Uh, it's going to metabolize a couple times. And you're going to notice that you either feel better and appreciate that over the next few days or that it hasn't worked and maybe you either need to look into a different option as far as strains go or a different option as far as methodology goes. All right, so the best advice I can give you, because if you're listening to this or if you need to talk to someone who could benefit from cannabis but is incapable right now of really making that commitment, talk to a doctor. You know you want to anyway, so just do it already. You will have to make an effort to do this. You're not going to be able to talk to your regular uh, your regular primary care physician and have them refer you to a specialist in cannabis more than likely. You're going to have to do the work yourself. This is a common theme over and over again in really healthcare in Western medicine period, but especially in cannabis. The good news is there are doctors out there. Don't have one in your area? No worries. Are you willing to maybe Skype a doctor just for some info? Because there are doctors who are willing to talk to you. It isn't illegal to share information, and especially for a doctor to share information across state lines. There is a website called Green Health Consultants. I don't know if they charge but they do have an option for you to set up an appointment in order to speak with a health specialist, to speak with a doctor. Uh, there are doctors who deal in drug abuse who are out there trying to meet with patients and create the kind of change in education that this culture needs. Uh, Dr. Behrman is one of those. I have his book, Demons, Discrimination, and Dollars. And it's if you're looking for someone to really address the drug abuse potential and in quite all honesty, how the drug abuse system in America 
NIDA and things like that have really played into the prohibition game, he's an excellent reference. And then there are doctors just like him out there doing things just like this every day, talking on podcast and getting information out there. There is um, the Medical Pot Guide, which is a podcast that I think I've talked about before, had on Dr. Joel Goldstrick this last week, and he had some incredible information about cancer and cannabis, and specifically how certain types of chemotherapy might be inhibited by the use of cannabis to go with it, and it isn't totally understood why and things like that. Uh, but better safe than sorry, it's, he really highlighted the fact that having a doctor be able to talk to your doctor in the way that doctors do about your cannabis therapy makes a huge difference in the feasibility of getting your doctor to go along with your cannabis therapy, whether or not you're in a medical state. Though, of course, that certainly helps. And while I'm talking about medical cannabis podcast, let me tell you about a newer one that I just came across called Cannabis Health Radio. Uh, The main guy on there has a phenomenal voice. It's just so trustworthy, super jealous. And and he obviously has a radio background. Um, But he's also super committed to really making a difference in how people understand cannabis. He comes out with this podcast, and I think he has a female cohort too, and I can't remember uh, her name right now, but they come out with a podcast five days a week, if I remember correctly, or I've noticed correctly. So just incredible amounts of information is going to be available to you very soon. They already are on their 23rd. Anywho, if you're ever looking for some good cannabis podcasts to listen to, Uh, and you haven't already scouted my iTunes reviews for suggestions, I recommend that you do that. Now, what you do is you get on iTunes. Uh, You can do that through your iTunes player, or you can do that through a web browser. And hopefully you have an iTunes account. It's not that hard to sign up. And you go to my podcast, uh, the link you can still find on my webpage, The Spliff Podcast, along with all of the other podcasts that I was talking about, which are also available in iTunes, which you'll notice when you go there. And you want to go to the little reviews section. Now, once you click on the reviews, you want to stop and leave some rating and some brief comments. I'll leave the rating and the brief comments at your discretion. And while I'm thinking about it, I want to give a shout out to another anonymous rating. Five stars. Digging it. I love it. And um, if you want to be anonymous about that, I totally understand. We are still in a state of prohibition, very much so, but it does a huge amount to help other people have access to this information by the way that iTunes configures its algorithms. So other people who are looking for this information or when they do a search for this kind of information are more likely to find this podcast than if you don't leave a rating and review. So you stop and do that. And then you're going to read all of the incredible, wonderful things that people have said about my podcast. And I was one of them, quite honestly. It'll say Bo at the Spliff Podcast. And I was like, hey, if you're checking out my reviews, check out my podcast. And hey, if you're checking out my podcast to check out my reviews, 
All you have to do is click my handle name and it'll take you to a link of all the podcasts that I listen to and have reviewed. And uh, yeah, you can pick and choose your way from there. It's at least a suggestion list. All right, you guys, let's safety. So funny thing happened last week as I was editing the podcast and I was listening back to me describe the headband and thinking just about all the incredible variety of terpenes that cannabis has and different strains. I was like, you know what? I haven't had any chocolate strains in a really long time. And that's because chocolate isn't always my favorite. It can be sativa. It can be indica. It's not super heady. Uh, The smell is kind of funky. It's kind of funky to smell chocolate in weed. But as the universe would have it, I ended up with some chocolate hash berry like the next day. It was incredible. And it's gorgeous, light green, full of crystals, beautiful arrangement in the amber cloudy trichiness with big old bulbous heads. And the smell is so unique. So the strain name is chocolate hash berry. And that basically breaks it down for you. It has a sweet but bitter, like the dark chocolate scent to it uh, that's mixed in with this berry. It really helps add to that sweetness in the chocolate. But there's still this very earthy flavor behind it that is identified in the hash. And it reminds me kind of like chocolate-covered strawberries, but not quite as sweet you know, like chocolate covered goji berries. I, it's a really intense and it's a hybrid. A lot of its components are indica and it does lean indica dominant, but it's not a full indica. However, I was smoking some last night and I got really sleepy. So I just wanted to be better safe than sorry tonight. And I want to start the podcast and have to like talk to beginners about how to be safe about this and be all, I'm so stoned, I'm sleepy. Mm. Baby bye time. The smoke is super smooth. Uh, I don't think it's made me really cough from expansion at all. I'll cough a little because of the heat, but the taste is just incredibly smooth. And the flavors of dessert really come out on your tongue much more than they did on the nose in the jar. It's a little minty still in the jar too. Like it's bright. It's very bright in the jar. And when you exhale, it's very sweet. Take another toke, and I'm going to tell you about something I won from MJ Today Daily. Yeah, woohoo! Uh, so if you haven't subscribed to MJ Today Daily yet, it is one of the best podcasts out there in the marijuana industry, and it's an offshoot of the Marijuana Today podcast that they do daily. Now, I have entered contests for Marijuana Today and won a mug. Yes. And I entered another contest on Marijuana Today Daily and won myself a Jane West Weekender. Fun. So the Jane West Weekender, it's $25. 
um, which is a little expensive for swag accessories for some people. But what it is, is it's different cartridge containers for different strains of cannabis on one side. And on the other side, they have provided you with a little one hitter and a miniature Bic. And it folds up into what seems like a pretty durable case. I don't think it's Pelican quality, but it's definitely mimicking that style. Um, I'm a little worried that the little flip lock might run out on it. So I'm willing to test it out consumer report style and uh, I'll keep you updated on that. But one of the things that makes me so excited about it, one of the reasons why I would, if I had $25 to blow, blow it on this is back in the day when I was working at the dispensary one of my stipends, uh, part of my pay, was to get a quarter of bud a week. Now, some people are like, quarter, whatever. And some people are like, what? You got a, that's a fucking ounce every month? That's part of your pay? Yeah, it was super sweet. And because for the first time in my life, it's not like I couldn't ever buy a quarter, but that was pretty rare, let's be real. Uh, but the, for the first time in my life, not only could I have a quarter, but I could have seven different options if I wanted to do it that way. So I got myself one of those little daily pill organizers, and every week I would pick seven different strains, and I would have their little labels so I would know which was which, and I loved carrying that around with me. And I loved having it as an option to take with me. And the problem is, one, even when I wasn't working at the dispensary and didn't have access to quite that many options to really kind of warrant the use of something like that, um, was that it would fall open, it would like come apart in my purse when I was carrying it around and, and break open. And sometimes the weed would fall out and it definitely dried out really bad while it was in there. So I just kind of stopped using it. But I miss the convenience of being able to take a little bit of quite a few different strains. This, uh, the Weekender, has five different compartments, three smaller ones, two larger ones, considering the size of the entire unit. Um, and I don't know, I think it's enough to take a few grams, probably even an eighth of different stuff around if you wanted to, to have an idea of how much you could really take. And then if you really needed to, you could always pack some more weed where the one hitter is and just stick it with the lighter. I think they could have just maximize their space that way. I wasn't too thrilled with the one hitter. It's, um, it, well, I'm just not a one hitter kind of girl that much anyway. I'm a little more spoiled than that now, but that's not to say that when you need a one hitter, I don't appreciate, uh, but it's all black and I had trouble deciphering which end I was supposed to smoke out of. And after a couple drinks, I'm definitely not going to know. I mean, the writing is on the end closer to the mouth side, but there's a reason why I like the little cigarette one hitters, not just because they were more discreet, but because they also were really easy to identify which end to pack it in. Because I'm very much that person who gets drunk and packs the wrong end and then I fucked it up for everybody because nobody can smoke out of it. 
because I stuffed in a bunch of weed and clogged it up. So yeah, so that's my review on the Jane West Weekender. If this is something that's within your budget and you think that you can get some use out of it, I definitely think that you will. And I think it's worth the $25. Yeah, absolutely. If you have $25 in your budget, I think that it's worth the $25 for what it offers in comparison to a $5 daily pill organizer. Treat yourself Throw down the extra $20 and make sure that your stash stays secure. All right, you guys, that's it. I got to get this edited and get going and get to bed. I don't have to be nearly as cognitive when I'm editing, though. Make that more intuitive. Don't forget you can find links for the Green Health Consultants and for the Jane West products at thespliffpodcast.com. All right. Thanks for spliffing it, guys. Ciao for now.